3: This is the We Are Going Up podcast. We've got the Football League covered. Hello and welcome to episode 168 of We Are Going Up. And I'm going to play in this music, David Cameron Walker, because you're back. You're back from the US of A. I am. Are you in One Piece? I am in One Piece, yeah. You're alive, you had a good time. I had a great time. didn't get too drunk. I didn't get too drunk
1: most of the time. <laughs> right, uh, good. I made, basically acted like a big kid for about a week. I went to Disney World. I met the genie from Aladdin, got a selfie with him. Danced with Sebastian the crab. Met Rafiki from the uh, from the Lion King. Uh, Mickey Mouse did all the all the all the things you'd expect of anyone rampaging
3: around Disney World. Amazing. So, this is episode 168. Now, it's slightly different to how we anticipated it, mm. um, we should say. And it isn't Why your is your fault. Mark? I'm, I'm going to put this out there. This is not your fault. So, basically, um, we recorded the show last night in full. A very way good this works, show, I thought, as well. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're going to hear most of it. Yeah. Um, the way it works is that uh, obviously I'm in Manchester, you're in London. I record my half of the conversation, you record your half. And then, through the wonders of modern technology, and some editing software that i've got we put it together and it all sounds great usually however last night i recorded the show in my car which is a bit of a mistake because i didn't realize that when i recorded my half of the conversation there was going to be the phone interference all the way through so i hold my hands up and i'm now going to play you a little clip of how the intro to the show sounded as we recorded it last night just so you can hear how unbearable it will be to listen to. Hello and welcome to episode 168 of We Are Going Up. It's a Friday night slash weekend treat for you, popping into your uh, app of choice, your podcast app of choice. I'm Mark Crossley in the north and very much in the south. Is David Cameron Walker and you're back. I am back in one piece, safe and sound. Right, so that's how it sounded last night. Yeah. Not great. That wouldn't have been fun, no. would it? For an hour. Wouldn't have been fun for me to edit it for a few hours and you to listen to it for an hour. I mean, your your bits are fine, so whenever you talk, ah. and the callers we had on were, were great. But all that great stuff. We had we had some great chats just me we and did. you at we the end. We talked about. We saw forever. <laughs> Consigned well, to the cutting the thing is, we room could fly fly it, it, but it would just be you talking to thin air. Which, which would be quite yeah. amusing. Um, we talked about the England Euro 96 team and how they've all made dreadful managers. Terrible. All terrible just managers. i tell we- you what we did talk about. We
1: talked about Neil Warnock, didn't we? We did talk about Neil Warnock. We talked about him possibly getting the Rotherham job and I said he should retire. He did. What happened an hour after we finished recording? He got the Rotherham job. He got job. the Rotherham
3: job. Yeah, can't keep a good man down, mate. So we talked no. to, We talked about that. Um, I stand by my, my sentiments. We also, What's he doing? We talked. Neil, just go <laughs> back to Cornwall for Christ's sake. You don't need it. You and Alan Brazil, Neil. That's all you need for the rest of your life. Yeah. Um, we also talked about... Um, Leicester City and how we were both watching that game separately on Saturday uh, and how we basically if Leicester win the Premier League we're just going to shut up shop and go out because it's just and we're going to get Jim Knight on if, yeah. if, they, if they get close to it Jim Knight's going to come back and we're going to call it a day yeah. because <laughs> what, what, what we completed everything yeah exactly so <laughs> we've reached the pinnacle I mean mate essentially we've summed up what we did there in about 90 seconds but yeah, yeah. we, we talked on, a bit about we talked a bit about Lee Johnson we did we talked, well we're going to talk a lot Bristol, we're going to talk a lot about Lee Johnson now Bristol City oh, from fans from the Bristol City side of not, it Yeah.
1: Not entirely uh, enamoured initially with the appointment because they, they didn't necessarily really like him too much in in the latter days of his of his spell as a player at Ashton Gate. He was very much seen as kind of one of the, the symbols of the decline, being that he was the manager's son, Gary Johnson's son, when it was all going wrong and he was still in the team every week. However, they won their first game under him and I think they've got to get behind him from, from now to the end of the season. I
3: think they will if they're going to stay up absolutely so we talked about all that last night you also had a pop at me for recording on the top floor of a empty car park and we're asking some serious questions you Um, can't beat my horn this time can you i beat my horn to the well i might even if i can play if i can find that and salvage the audio i'll play in there all right hear that
1: do it
3: (laughs) there you go that's (laughs) it thanks for listening we'll speak to you and if you didn't hear that That's because we couldn't find it. And if you did hear it, I hope you enjoyed it. Right, (laughs) so we've done our best then. So what we're going to do is we're going to play you just basically the three interviews that we did last night. Um, Bloody good interviews. (laughs) That's what they are. If we do say so ourselves. So coming up later on, you're going to hear from, well, fans of the two sides that have made it to the JPT final in April. We've got Oxford United, third in League Two. George Dugdale from BT Sport, big Oxford fan, will come on to talk about Uh, their season and getting to Wembley and also Barnsley Lee Johnson's gone well they're at Wembley as well and they're doing well they're flying in League One at the minute Uh, so we're going to speak to Doug O'Kane sports editor of the Barnsley Chronicle so that's coming up but first we're going to start with Jonathan Rogers from the Facing Two Ways blog what was that noise? what noise? I just heard a ridiculous ridiculous noise more more technical (laughs) difficulties your end what was that? what was that? I don't know I didn't hear anything I have no idea you're going mad I have got, I have been awake since three forty-five this morning. But anyway, um, yeah, Jonathan Rogers from the at Popsider blog. No, 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 no. Popsider. <laughs> no, no, you've got it all wrong, mate. He's
1: take, at, take He's over at Popsider on Twitter, and his blog that's is called one. Facing Two Ways. That's the one because anyway. he supports Derby, but he lives in Watford, so he sort of also likes Watford and watches them from time to time. Right. And that's why it's called Facing Two Ways.
3: Got you. Well salvaged. So Paul Clements left this week after thirty-three games in charge, sacked by the club. There's lots. Of, he made the national press. Lots of stories about it. You know, not being promotion, not being the aim this season, all this kind of thing. Uh, so we spoke to Jonathan about this and we started by asking him, um, well, how he felt when he heard the news that uh, Paul Clement had lost his job early this week.
2: I mean, uh, we, we, we had a, we had sort of felt something was some, something had gone wrong since, since Boxing Day. we, we were atop the Boxing Day, so um, but we hadn't won in seven games since then. And there were rumblings of things going on behind the scenes and there are some... The chairman had been into the dressing room after one of the defeats and had a round to the players. So we knew something was going on, but I, I, I was at the Fulham game on Saturday and it seemed to have sort of stabilised. We'd, we were playing OK. There were some positive signs. He was changing the side around. And, and he said he had the support of the chairman. So it, it, I think it was a shock for everyone, really. I mean, even the fans who thought he was not the right man for Derby still... Expect them to be given a few more games, and and a lot of us just expected them to be uh, carrying on to, to the end of the season at least to see how far we got. So I think all all of the media as well as the fans were just uh, shocked and flabbergasted, and and it, it's probably got worse since then. I, I wasn't.
1: That surprised, because I'd read your blog, one you did after yeah. I think after the Preston game, and yeah. and and I'd, I'd heard a few bits and bobs in the last month or so that there was you know slight rumblings of discontent amongst the, some yeah. sanctions of the fan base, yeah. and, and I was actually having a conversation with with some friends who said, "Oh, Derby have sat their manager. That's a bit strange, isn't it?" And I sort of said, "Well, I mean." This is before I'd read the statement I'd just seen the news. And I said, well, you know, they'd spent a lot of money in the summer. They've slipped slightly yeah. in the table. It's a big deal to get up next season because of the increased TV money and all that. And I'm sure they're just being ruthless and rightly or wrongly, they've sat the manager with with the aim of getting promotion in mind because promotion yeah. at all costs this season. But then you then you read the statement yeah. from, from the hierarchy there and yeah. you... That's what surprised me. Yeah. If we are to believe their words, it's nothing to do with promotion. Yeah. It's because he well, wasn't playing the right kind of football.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, it, uh, the, the, the thing that's that sort of made me feel quite uh, negative and worried about the future is, is actually the, the statement that came out when he was sacked and every single statement since. I mean, uh, Morris spent the chairman, he spent the whole of yesterday and well, the, the day before giving interviews to the press like it was... It was all prepared. And all of that, he was saying things like uh, promotion's not a priority. We always said it wasn't a priority. And we always said that uh, the important thing was to have uh, played the Derby way, which is something that no one's really ever heard of before. McLaren mentioned it once in his first season, as sort of a suggestion that that Derby were playing some attacking, uh, free-flowing passing football. But we've not heard of that before this season. And none of the fans really recognise that as a as a as a real thing, and the, the statements have been increasingly ludicrous and and quite flabbergasting. Really, I mean, I'm using all these strange words to to describe it, but it it is. If you if were top of the league,
1: if you were top, playing exactly the same football, and you were top, yeah. there's no way they would have got rid of him. Surely.
2: <laughs> exactly, exactly. I mean, I mean, football's been a bit. Um, Occasionally, it's been really, really poor. But um, in the first few games, we've, we struggled, and I think Clement was a, a fan of, of possession football. Maybe he's got that from his time coaching in uh, in in Spain. But you know, and he was very cautious, and sometimes he made the wrong decisions with substitutions and team selections. But we had we, there were some excellent performances, not not completely consistent throughout the season. But you can't. I, I did a, a thing on my blog. at... On Boxing Day when we were top, and and it you know it was it was it was fine. People were were generally happy. It, it, it came across very well in the media. Uh, the chairman seemed happy, and it it, it, it it some something appears to have happened behind the scenes because we um, we probably won't know what it is. But I'm sure there's been some falling out. But the, but the chairman's comments just don't that nobody can understand them, and they, they come across as increasingly illogical really so it's, it's it's very difficult to work out what's going on
3: I know that Clement hadn't been there for a particularly long time I think just 33 games in total what was the sort of fans view on him do you, do you think the majority fans feel he's been harshly done to or because of this winless run recently and the fact that perhaps they were you know you were slipping slightly behind in the promotion race that um, fans feel that this change might not be the worst thing
2: yeah I, I think in terms of the fans I think I think there's a, a small minority who perhaps didn't think he was good enough from the start. I mean, there's a senior teacher who sits next to me, a good friend of mine, who, who's never rated them and as you know, rates him as a former PE teacher from Sutton. And the style of play has sometimes been a bit cautious and a bit negative. And I think a lot of a lot of fans had concerns about the, the game since Christmas, including me, because. Some of the some of the performances were just were just awful, and I, and I I felt pretty disengaged by it. And I've been I've been following the team since the '80s, really, and I've I, I put a lot of commitment into it. And I, and I just felt I was sitting in the stadium, feeling feeling disengaged and and sort of an interest. And the, and the players were not looking interested, but I think the majority of fans were. I mean, I, I've seen a few polls since, and it's, it's sort of three quarters of uh, fans were shocked, uh, and the majority of fans felt it was, it was a wrong decision to sack him. And, and I've, I've, I think probably since then, given the statements from the owner afterwards, I think perhaps people <laughs> are just getting increasingly concerned concern of thinking: well the, the more the more we hear from the chairman, the more sympathy Clement gets, the more the more he sounds hard done by, the more it sounds like he's, he, he, he was on a hiding to nothing from the start. Because I mean, he's. He's, 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 he did pretty well by by Christmas by Boxing Day. We're top of the league. Uh, he, he was, you know, in the first few months of his first job as a as a number one, and he was doing okay. It it, it is it is sort of completely logical.
1: And what do you think about the decision to immediately announce that Darren Wassall is going to be yeah. in charge for the for the rest of the season?
2: Again, that, that was one of the, the strangest things from the. The initial statement, and, and, and since and he I mean, Wassell is is a guy who's been uh, uh, running the academy for for a long time, and he's got a lot of had a lot of credit for that, and he's got a, a very good reputation for that. But he's only he's only got forty five minutes experience of being a manager of Derby, and that was that was after McLaren was appointed, and he was in charge for the first game. McLaren was in the stands, uh, and we're four one down at half time. McLaren took over. Uh, did, uh, put Eustace on, changed the formation and we, we're, we're a 4-4 by the end of the game, so the rest is history so he's, he's got <clears throat> he's always going to have that on his back really and uh, again the Ill- illogicality of it is, is that it, if Morris felt he was going he needed to make a change you would have you thought he'd had someone in mind to start and it, you would have thought he'd had someone as a backup to sort of take over and you would think he'd be talking about well, we've got chance, we've got 19 games to go and we're going to go all out for promotion with, with someone perhaps who's got experience, someone who's got uh, knowledge of this division. And instead uh, we, we've got an under 21 manager, head of the academy, and we, we don't know what's going to happen. He, he's repeating in the, in the press today that he's going to stay until the end of the season. He's not looking at uh, recruiting any manager, he's not putting any Process in place to recruit a new manager, but it's difficult to, to actually believe what he's saying. What he's saying about that.
1: And I think it's, it's very interesting to look at the, this, this particular part of the, of the whole situation because you have been linked with Nigel Pearson, but yeah. those reports today have, have been quashed. Yeah. David Moyes was, was in the stands yeah. for the game at the weekend against Fulham. Uh, now, David Moyes isn't isn't a manager that necessarily would fit with this so-called derby way that, that Mel Morris is talking My, about. Mar- Nigel Mar- Pearson Mar- Pearson might be a bit closer to it, but still not yeah. exactly uh, Pep Guardiola, uh, the, the second coming of Pep Guardiola. Yeah. But um, <laughs> it, I, I, however, if if either of those two turned up. Uh, at the iPro next week, with the squad of players you've got, I mean, just yeah. looking at the players that you brought in in the summer yeah. you know, Baird, uh, Darren Bent, Scott Carson, Andrews Weiman Tom Ince, Jason Shackle, Jacob Butterfield, Bradley Johnson, Nick Blackman in January. Yeah. I mean, you, s- you spent huge money on, yeah. on a lot of players there with Premier League experience uh, you know, and, and good really, really good players for the Championship. Whether you can question their hunger and how much money they're on and all that. But if you had a proper manager who knew really yeah. knew what he was doing, you'd, you'd have to think that Pearson in particular yeah. with his recent track record could get those players up this season.
2: Certainly. I mean, part of the problem I think has been some of the players for whatever reason haven't been playing. I mean, the body language has been awful on the pitch. Brady I, I didn't
1: even mention any of the players that were already
2: there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, you know, so we, we, we do theoretically have a, a, a great squad. So, you would think that any owner worth his soul, and knowing what uh, bountiful riches are available in the Premier League from next season, I mean, there's there's riches there enough already, but, uh, you know, you would think he'd be planning ahead. I mean, he's he's no fool. He's he's, he's one of the richest people in the country. So why hasn't he got a plan in place? It just seems something's happened, and he's, he's made a snap decision to get rid of Clement without thinking about... What's going to happen next? <laughs> and that, is, that is, is not really what we expected of him. And when he first came, became chairman and owner, he, he came across really well, really down-to-earth, really common-sense approach to things. But since then, everything he's said has been complete and utter nonsense, to be, to be fair.
3: It must be incredibly frustrating to be a Derby fan because I'm just thinking back to a couple of years ago, you know, playoff final, last minute, you miss out so cruelly on promotion, last season going so well, and then you blow up with a few months to go. This season, promotion favourites, really you know, impressive new managers, been at Chelsea, Real Madrid, going well. Then you wobble, then he's say, It just feels to be like you're almost nearly there, but something always goes wrong.
2: Yeah, uh, to, to be honest, in, in my uh, life as a supporter, it's, it's probably been... Been the same way. I mean, I, I, I was. I started off watching them when Peter Taylor came back in 1982, 83, and that that was like a, a chance for redemption after years of failure, wasn't it? It's been up and down since then, and we've we've nearly been bankrupt a few times. But but the, you know, after that playoff final and that, I mean, that that season where we nearly got off, got up in the playoffs, it's, it's, it's a lot of fans, including me, are thinking of that as a golden period where we did play great football, where we had. A management team who uh, had links to the club and clearly loved the club, and we were going in the right direction. And after that, it just it just went something went wrong last season. And you you would think everything was going for us this season with you know a a, a rich benefactor who's a local man, and the the logic of spending twenty five million pounds, and he was saying, well you know we can we can be patient about things. We don't need to get promotion this season." Paul's got a job and. Even if we don't get promotion, and then it's all gone, it's all gone to pot. And you tend to think maybe maybe it's something wrong with the club. Maybe there's something deeply wrong and dysfunctional inside the club that we don't know about that that's stopping us. But as it stands at the moment, we don't really know. It's going to be interesting on Saturday to see what happens. But but who knows? Who knows what happens next? How how long is Wassel going to stay?
3: You don't know. So that was Jonathan Rogers, the author of the Derby County blog Facing Two Ways and also at Popsider on Twitter talking to us about the club's decision to let go. Paul Clement, uh, who is leaving the iPro Stadium and Derby move on. And so do we, because in just a minute, we're going to talk to fans of the two sides who have um, made it to Wembley. Well, we're going to speak to an Oxford fan anyway. George Dugdale, uh, who works with BT Sport, and also the sports editor of the Barnsley Chronicle, Doug O'Cain, ahead of the JPT final at the start of April. And also to find out more about the departure of Lee Johnson from the Tykes, that's next. This is the We Are Going Up podcast. We've got the Football League covered. Okay, so the big game at Wembley. What, just under two months away? Uh, But we know it's going to be between Barnsley and Oxford to win the first piece of silverware for a Football League side this season in the Johnson's Pay Trophy final 2016. Coming up, George Dugdale from BT Sport, big Oxford fan, uh, on their season under Michael Appleton. But first... Interesting story at Barnsley. They're in a great run now. Wasn't, wasn't like that a few months ago. Lee Johnson under big pressure. Uh, everyone thought he could lose his job. Well, he has left now, but in completely different circumstances to take over at Bristol City and with Barnsley on their way to Wembley. Doug O'Kane is the sports editor of the Barnsley Chronicle. He joined me in DC Uh, Last night when we recorded this initially and I started by asking him what his reaction was during the week when he found out the news that Lee Johnson had decided to leave the club and take over at Bristol City.
4: I think it was definitely a surprise. I mean, two months earlier or even just before Christmas, there'd been constant rumours, well, speculation for weeks and weeks about will he get sacked. That's been the majority of the season. Um, He's been, I know reasonably close to that Um, and then he's had this unbelievable run of six wins in a row in the league obviously side by side with getting to Wembley in the Johnston Paints trophy and suddenly he's uh, instead of being uh, sort of um, booted out the door he leaves out of the door for a higher club um, in a higher league and it's it's amazing really in terms of Bristol City there had been a a bit of a rumour about it for the last week or so and I think most of us knew there was no smoke without fire, and that um, they probably were interested. Whether uh, I think a lot of the guys down there in the uh, media didn't necessarily think they'd come in for Lee, uh, maybe as one of their top choices, but obviously they did. Um, I believe he had a quite a good relationship with the with the owner um, of Bristol City uh, from his playing days there, and obviously his dad is well, respected there. So it is a move that made sense, but it was a, a surprising and surreal. Um, sort of 12 hours getting to Wembley in the JPT uh, Fleetwood with, with the way it happened, the penalty shootout, and then suddenly um, wake up in the morning and um, he's going down to Bristol City uh, to uh, to eventually join them the next day. So, um, yeah, it wasn't... It makes sense when you think about it, it um, but at the time, yeah, it, it was just an the latest twist in what's been a very up-and-down season.
1: Yeah, to say the least, it's been absolutely mad. I mean, were the fans disappointed to see Johnson go?
4: I think so, yeah, because um, he'd won a lot of them round in the last um, couple of months uh, with the form. I mean, you can't really argue with it, to be honest. And I think overall, five points off the playoffs in um, February with with some good form, I think that's, it's not a fantastic season, but it's an acceptable season, especially with the Wembley final. So you'd have to say he was doing reasonably well. If if you mean disappointed in terms of do they uh, feel let down by him, um, I think maybe a few do, but I think the majority understand that it was a club that had very special places in um, his heart. Uh, it's a club in the higher division, and uh, he's an ambitious manager, and who knows he could have gone on a, another bad run with Barnsley the next season and possibly they wouldn't have shown him that loyalty again you know what football's like and they he could have he could have um he could never have had this opportunity again so um i think most people would uh, understand why he's um why he's done it and generally uh, i think he's he's been a sort of very up and down time at um at Barnsley for Lee but he's uh, he's left on a massive high and he's the first person to ever Take them to a Wembley Cup final, so uh, he's got a special place in the club's history. Even though, obviously, fans would prefer it to be a more high-profile competition.
3: We'll come on to the Wembley final in just a minute. But I'm intrigued by what you said about it being an up and down season. Um, I'm just looking at the results from October. I believe it was eight defeats in a row, um, and like you say, six wins in a row now. So I'm just intrigued as to why it sort of turned round so so rapidly. What what's been the catalyst for this recent run?
4: It's quite hard to say I mean that run that you mentioned eight in a row um, in the league is the worst run since 1959 and it also included not in uh, in in the FA Cup it included um, at the same time a defeat to non-league Altrincham which was arguably low point really because Barnsley were really really bad that day a lot of the games that they lost obviously the results weren't acceptable but their performances weren't that bad Um, but uh, the FA Cup defeat they were they were awful against a non league side and Bowsery had their full strength team out in a period around late October, early November, um he was he was hanging on by a thread, I think, Lee, to be honest. Um but the, but they stuck by him. And then what turned it around, I think um a variety of factors. I think that the running the Johnson Page trophy helped a lot. Um the fact that they had this Wembley this carrot uh, of Wembley potentially and just the way they went through the rounds, they won, they won a couple of penalty shootouts, but they really showed character and a bit of resolve, and I think that brought them together as a group and gave them confidence. Adam Hamill is a massive, massive factor in it. He obviously played for Barnsley about five years ago now, and he returned uh, right at the end of that eight-match eight run. He scored the winner... Uh, against York in the JPT and then went on to... Well, he's been assisting and scoring quite a few goals ever since then and just... He, he's added a bit of leadership. I mean, he's one of the oldest players at 27. And he's added experience. I and mean, He's, in my opinion, too good for League One and he's he's been a major catalyst because he just seems to have had that, added that spark to the attack and they weren't really scoring goals before then and just, they've, they've, they've all played a lot better. There's been a couple of other signings as well. Kevin Long and AD White came into defence we really shored it up. Long's now going to go back to Burnley after this weekend, so that's a bit of a blow. But uh, just a few experienced signings, and also, I think it was just a freak run. That they were they, that team probably wasn't bad enough to lose eight games in a row, but they did just through those various bits of luck and refereeing decisions and um, individual mistakes. Uh, and they, they've always had decent players for League One, like Sam Winnell, obviously, he has got 17 goals this season now, 10-7 in, uh, in the league. Um, uh, Connor Hurahan, who's really, really impressed me and improved this season, I think. Um, uh, and a couple of others as well, who have started to, uh, to really come, come to the fore, like Marley Watkins, James Bree, um and the goalkeeper, Adam Davis. Um, and so it's been a combination of all those factors, really.
1: Now, they started life... Without Lee Johnson in, in the best possible way, and, and Mark, I'm sure you won't want to be reminded, but three nil victory over Barry at the weekend, and the um, chief exec said he's in no rush to appoint a, a permanent manager. Do you think we'll see that till the end of the season? Then with uh, with Heckingbottom and uh, and Tommy Wright,
4: I think if if everything goes well, yes. Um, my feeling is based on a few conversations. Is it, it, it sort of to put it in quite a crude way, it, it's is theirs to lose really? I think if they keep the momentum going. Uh, I'm not saying they have to <laughs> repeat seven wins in a row all the time. Obviously, that's impossible. But if they keep, you know, regular wins and pushing up the table and challenging for the playoffs, I think uh, Paul Heckingbottom is a uh, is a definite candidate. He's he's from Barnsley. He plays for Barnsley. Everyone at the club loves him. um fans are uh, they like him. Um, he, he was in the team that got promoted from League One as a player last time, 10 years ago, he scored a penalty in the playoff final when they won on penalties against uh, Swansea, and he seems a good fit, he just seems like the right person at the moment. Um, obviously, I think he'll definitely get the next three or four games, obviously if they start losing again, and it just doesn't seem to be working, um, then yeah, they might get someone else in. Uh, or certainly look to get someone else in in the summer if that's the case but I think it's an audition for Paul at the moment and um, we'll we'll see how he does with that but um, I think it would be crazy right now on seven games in a row uh, seven wins in a row to make any changes to be honest if it ain't broke don't fix it kind of thing and just keep going with the winning formula
3: Some rumours about Neil Redfern who seems to have done a bit of a Yorkshire tour recently in terms of the teams that he's managed he obviously used to play for Barnsley Uh, would there be any potential in that move?
4: I think he would be one of the names, you know, who get. He would be seriously, con- excuse me, seriously considered if um, if they do decide to bring in someone external. But they haven't met anyone else. They haven't. They don't have plans to meet anyone else. Uh, I believe the chief executive is actually uh, actually on the golfing holiday for the next week. So that shows how relaxed they are in terms of the uh, the immediacy of any appointments. So I think it's definitely Paul Heckingbottoms for the next. Three or four weeks. Neil Redfern, obviously a massive legend at the club, and he's got some experience now, uh, and so he will be uh, a candidate if there is a new, if there is going to be an external appointment, uh, along with a few others. I would have thought, um, and I'm, I'm sure if that is the case, he probably would be interviewed. He's always being linked, and it does seem quite timely that he's left now, left rather than now. But I don't think um, they're looking at him at the moment. Like I say, I think it's, I think it's Paul Heckingbottom to lose.
1: Right then, Wembley, how are you feeling yeah. about it? You're obviously playing Oxford United, a, a team who are having a good season themselves, but obviously Barnsley are a division higher. Uh, Oxford have impressed in the FA Cup this season with some with some good players that have caught the eye, but uh, are Barnsley fans confident going into this match?
4: Yes, I think so. I mean, I'm not going to pretend to be an expert about Oxford. I, I don't know too much about them, but um, obviously they are, a, they are a good team, doing very well in their league, and it'll be a tough game, I think, Um there will, all the cliches apply of 90 minutes anything could happen I think Barnsley probably I would imagine have a little bit more quality in their team but being, being in League One and having you know uh, being probably the form team of uh, of League One and maybe the Football League at the moment but uh, I think it'll be a tough match and, um, and I think just everyone's just looking forward to it and People are really delighted to go to Wembley. Obviously, once you're there, you, you want to win it and uh, sure, Bansley are very confident that they can.
1: In terms of the, the numbers of fans we can expect to see travelling down to Wembley, how, how many do you think you'll get?
4: Well, they've ordered... They can have up to 40,000 and they've ordered an initial 25,000 and the way the chief executive explained it to me this week was that if they exceed that and they need another uh, five or ten or 15,000 then they can ask um for them and they'll they'll be delivered within 48 hours so they took 33,000 to the to the last playoff final at Cardiff obviously that was a playoff final rather than the Johnston Paints trophy but I think the draw of Wembley I think it'll be similar to that I I it's very hard to tell and just uh it's it's not it's only been a week since uh, they got there but I think I think they'll exceed that 25,000 just and it'd be maybe 30-ish.
3: And a final question, looking at the table, five points outside the playoff spots in 10th at the minute with a game, well, a game in hand on a couple of the teams in the playoff spots. Do you think that's now got to be the ambition for whoever the new manager is to, to get in that top six?
4: Uh, yeah, it's got to be the ambition, but um, it's still an outside chance. I mean, five, five points is in, with uh, about... 16, 17 games to go is obviously not impossible and Barnsley are on great form. I just think they need to keep this run going as long as possible Um, and if maybe they keep it going for the next month or so then they'll be up there and it's just a case of staying there. Any key injuries, as it probably is the case for any side really unless you've got a huge squad, would be very, very bad for Barnsley. Um, Anyone like Winnell or Hamill or Conor Hurahan getting injured would, would be a disaster. So they need they need the, the, them to stay fit, and they need a, a little bit of luck. Kevin Long is Kevin Long's loan from Burnley is uh, is going to finish after t- um, Saturday's game at Gillingham. So um, whether someone could step up from uh, within the squad, Louis Nia, Tango and Mark Robbins Roberts, sorry, who have been on the bench, um, or they'll bring in a low knee, because that will be very important because Long has been massive for shoring up the defence. But um, To some up, I suppose uh, five. Yeah, they 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 can they can bridge that gap of five points. But it's just been such an up and down season that (laughs) anything could happen. And you know they 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 did the same last season. They they won six in a row at this sort of time and then really flattened out and it was just quite a boring end to the season. They finished 11th. That's definitely a threat. But hopefully they'll keep it going, keep everyone fit and. Keep playing the fantastic football of the last few games, and maybe they might have two trips to Wembley this season.
3: This is the We Are Going Up podcast. So, that was a sports editor of the Barnsley Chronicle, Doug O'Kane, on Barnsley reaching Wembley, their season, and of course Lee Johnson as well. Let's turn our attention to their opponents Oxford United, third in League Two. Back off to Wembley, managed by Michael Appleton. Already knocked Swansea out of the FA Cup so far this season. George Dugdale is a big Oxford Oxford fan. We've had him on the show before. He works for BT Sport as well. And we caught up with George and I said to him, Oxford United, on their way to Wembley. How does that sound?
0: It sounds uh, terrific. We've obviously done it before to get back into the Football League, but to do it kind of where I have a lot less pressure, is uh, going to be a really enjoyable day for everyone.
1: You obviously caught the eye in another cup competition this season. The, the FA Cup win over Swansea in particular was with a chance when most of our listeners will have, will have seen you play this season. And, and Kmar Roof was the, was the big name on everyone's lips. I mean, how good has he been? But also, who have been the other stars of the team this season?
0: That was a day when the secret kind of, uh, went national, didn't it, really? Um, he's a strange player, and as much as quite often you have a game when he's not doing a lot, and then they were cutting off the wing one hundred and thirty yards and he's done his job. Alongside him, I think I've got to sing the praise of John Lundstrom. Came to us in a similar way to Roof in as much as he wasn't getting into the Everton team, whereas Roof wasn't getting into the West Brom team. And they figured that if they came lower down to play more football as the a footballer, they could work their way back up. So we've been the beneficiaries of that. And he's a really good kind of deep line playmaker. The a game for and gets the ball, the players we want the ball, gets them on it, and uh, that's been a massive part of our season.
1: And tell us a bit about how Michael Appleton has has done at Oxford. Obviously, it's going very well so far this season, but he's a he's a manager that, who has been all over the place and never really settled at any one club for various reasons, some some because of his choice leaving, some not his choice. But he's at Oxford now, and he's, he's had a good time now to bed in, and, and it's and it's going well. And finally, we're starting to see the potential, I, th- I suppose, of a man who's been long-taunted as something special.
0: Yeah, I think there was a little bit of scepticism when he came in, because he came in twinned with a takeover of uh and Gary Waddock left immediately uh, when that happened. So he came in with Mark Ashton, who had been working with him at West Brom uh, earlier in his career. And he said to us that he was going to be a special manager. He was really good. Don't look at his previous choices. Um, Appleton came and said he'd made some really poor decisions in the past. And this was a place where he was going to stay for a long period of time and rebuild his reputation. And it wasn't an easy start. He had to learn about League Two and learn what kind of players and what kind of football can do well for you in this division. Uh, But this year we have really kicked on and we're playing some terrific football um, we've relayed the pitch at the Kazam, which has made a big difference and London Welsh have gone so isn't being carved up we can keep the ball on the deck and it's really benefited us this year
3: it's not just in the uh, in the cups that you've done well as you say third in the table Um, what do you make of the promotion race in League 2 this season? A couple of strong sides up there with you, Plymouth in particular. Do you you still feel that Oxford can get in that top three come the end of the season?
0: Yeah, it's uh, got to the point now where I've stopped looking up and I'm looking at the gap below us. To be honest, if Northampton, Plymouth and Oxford are three that go up at the end of the day, I don't really care what order that happens in. We're having a great time regardless of whether we're third or first. And I think Plymouth were the best side I've seen this season. They are... we beat them 1-0 at home, but they came and they they played a similar game to us. They put the ball on the floor. They tried to work openings kind of in a style that is similar to a level far above this. Um, other sides come and they still put the ball in the box. They still do the League Two thing. But I think the three best sides in the league are in the promotion positions at the moment. So long may it stay that way.
1: Have you got your ticket for Wembley?
0: It's all booked. It's all done. Um, we got through 7,500 today, which is just season ticket hold. We go on a general sale on Monday, which is when the final will begin. I think we're confident that we can take more than we did to the uh, conference player final, which was, I think, 30,000. So if we could fill our 40,000 we've taken now, it's going to be one hell of a day.
1: Uh, and I assume you weren't there in 1986 for the Milk Cup final?
0: I wasn't. That was uh, a few years before I was born. But um, <laughs> you, hear, you hear the stories of it, and uh, as an Oxford fan, it's... It's obviously not on the same level. Uh, We're not the same club as we were back then. But any chance to go and play at Wembley and... Show what the club is all about now is something that we've got to embrace.
1: And I suppose if, if you look at last season's uh, JPT, it might be a good omen. Bristol City winning it, and they obviously went on to get promotion, and they were facing a team who hadn't been to uh, to Wembley in a cup final before. The, the same as Barnsley. However, this time it's kind of uh, the other way around. Uh, you are obviously lower down the the, the pyramid. You are league below Barnsley. So in terms of that match, do you, do you, are you confident that you can you can? I mean, you've beaten a Premier League team this season, so you should be confident, I guess, of, of being able to beat Barnsley
0: beating beaten the team from each of the top uh, five leagues in England this season. So whatever league you're in, we will have a good But But um, I think our football is actually more suited to play any teams of a higher level. Sides that don't really want to lump it into a box, that don't want to uh, kick you off the park for 90 minutes. We're a really side. We're not really equipped to play the long ball game. So sides that are willing to stand off us kind of Go head to head in a football match, it suited us better. So, Swindon, Millwall, Swansea, Brentford, all of those, they've uh, been beaten this season. So, hopefully, there's uh, one more to come.
3: One thing I wanted to ask about, and forgive my ignorance on this issue, um, but I guess for a lot of people like me who, you know, sort of don't follow League Two that closely. I well, haven't followed it that closely this season. A lot of the things Look I read... you, eh? I know. Go <laughs> to League One
1: and you forget all about things it. Things have
3: changed, haven't they? Might be back there the way we're going. Anyway, um, one of the things I do see a lot of is David Jones from Sky Sports News, um, obviously presents Saturday Night Football, tweeting a lot about Oxford. He's now involved behind the scenes at the club. Can you tell us any more about that?
0: He, is. he uh, came in at the start of... might towards the end of last season, actually, but he's been more involved in the last 12 months anyway. Um, and it's through friendships with the chairman and the old chief executive, and it's just another kind of football mind to have on the board, someone with an understanding of the game, with contacts, and I think he's a Sunderland fan, but he's been really positive around Oxford, he's helping us out wherever he can, and I think it's been really welcome
3: and one final question for me about um, about the club because I think we've talked about Oxford on this podcast I mean pretty much since we started it I think last certainly the last two or three years about Oxford being on the cusp of going up and things going wrong and changing manager and playoffs and all that kind of thing does this feel like the season?
0: This feels like a special season and that's going to come back and bite me in May if it all goes wrong but We've been in good positions before, but even from pre-season this year, we, uh, we went out to Austria and a load of fans went out there. And the club were really good at getting the players, the staff, all interacting with the fans. And this kind of one-club mentality was formed there. And throughout this season, that's been evident. There was a time when an Oxford team couldn't lose a game without being booed off. You couldn't be losing at half-time without getting stick. Now we, we lost 3-2 at home to Barna. It's a game we really should have won. And the players are getting chanted and sung off the pitch. And it's a massive change. And I think there's a f- real feeling. Well, we um, we came up from the non-league. We were fairly well placed. And we thought we could have gone up a t- couple of times. And then we plateaued. We got stuck in League two. And it feels like we're actually kicking on again now. So I don't want to jinx it. But this feels like a really good team. A really good kind of atmosphere around the club. Great manager. Great chairman. Don't touch with this is the one
1: breaking news Derby County have appointed Michael Appleton as their new manager after he leaves Oxford just days
3: before the Johnson Paint Trophy final
0: <laughs> don't even yeah. joke about
3: it yeah. I actually thought you did have some breaking news and no, no, I was like even by worry. our standards that's ridiculous um, George enjoy Wembley mate all the best thanks for coming on never a problem you're listening to We Are Going Up we've got the Football League covered Right, so that's it for this slightly curtailed episode of We Are yeah. Going Up. So,
1: have you, um, have you managed not to f- this one up? <laughs>
3: Now, do I have to bleep that? I um, think so. Well, he's I, up to you. I, I, I might, for, co- for comedic effect, I might just add a phone interference sound all the way under this. <laughs> uh, you know what? I, I, I'm, I'm half tempted to go back and just sort of play out bits of your side of the conversation with you talking to Noah because it just sounds stupid. <laughs> anyway, right, that is it. And sorry about um, yeah, the slight technical difficulties this week. But Somewhere you know, in London, there is a man locked inside a what is essentially a padded room talking to himself
1: <laughs> about the Johnson that- <laughs> Paint Trophy final
3: yeah
2: we're absolutely. not sure whether
3: whether he's wearing a straight jacket or not and you know what I'm going to play some of that out at the end I've decided <laughs> after the uh, after the end music right that's it thanks for listening we'll be back next time when both ends of this conversation will record properly uh, all the usual stuff the Instagram I actually posted a picture from my car on the Instagram which is now wasted yeah, redundant now yeah. yeah. <laughs> Instagram.com slash podcast. Twitter is at waggypodcast so is the Facebook page the website with all the old stuff on all the old interviews that did record properly um, and all the old shows the live shows We are going wearegoingup.co.uk and the documentary we did all on there that's it enjoy your weekends hope your team won or lost if you listen to this after Saturday afternoon and we'll speak to you sometime soon and stand by for a madman talking to himself this is the we are going up podcast we've got the football league covered
1: mmm yeah very much so yep awful yep mmm Awful, yep. Terrible, <laughs> yep. Yep. Gaza, yep. Uh, the Chuckle Brothers, to me, to you. Well, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see whether the Warnock does indeed pitch up at the uh, the New York Stadium. Um. <laughs> oh, I love New York, me. Oh <laughs> strange Instagram we have. If we end this season with Leicester as Premier League champions and Watford in the top half of the league, I think we should...
3: Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands.